Hey there, and thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker Podcast. We're on the Blog Talk Radio Network live and worldwide from our studios in Washington, D.C., which, in the interest of full disclosure, is my kitchen table because, like pretty much everybody else, I'm working from home now. My name is Burke Allen. Don't know what your name is, but I'm glad you're here. And thank you to our friends at SpeakerMatch.com for sponsoring the whole soiree. SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest virtual online speakers bureau. So if you're a speaker or maybe you're a meeting planner and your whole deal got tubed by COVID-19 and you're not sure quite how to get things back underway, check out SpeakerMatch.com and they will uh, they will give you the skinny. SpeakerMatch.com, proud underwriters of the Big Time Talker podcast. You know, this, uh, this whole pandemic thing has affected everyone, but it has affected the entertainment and events industry, arguably, as much as anyone else. So pretty much everybody from Steven Tyler from Aerosmith to the guy that cleans up the puke in the bathroom at the Aerosmith concert, out of work indefinitely. And one of those guys who is out of work indefinitely but is making lemonade out of lemons is our guest on the podcast. Is Bob Malone. Bob is a touring musician who's been out there for over two decades, both as an award-winning solo artist with 10 albums under his belt but also uh, tours with John Fogarty as his keyboardist for the last decade or so, except for right now. And uh, Bob is hanging out in his palatial Los Angeles estate trying to figure out how to make the mortgage. Bob Malone, my buddy, welcome to the broadcast. Um, where were you when you found out that it was all going to change? Were you home or were you on tour? I was I was uh, out with John Fogarty. We had three shows the day uh the day they shut or like the weekend they shut everything down and the first one got canceled and the second wasn't one was in like laughlin nevada we did that one because there's no rules in laughlin nevada (laughs) it's wide open and then the third one was in uh arizona and we went to the venue and we sound checked and i was eating dinner after sound check and a waitress comes up to me and says, uh, ah, it's too bad. The show is canceled tonight. And like no one had even told me yet word had spread through the, you know, through the employees at the place before, uh, at the, like the town before I had a chance to find out. So that was canceled. We flew home and I haven't played live since. In, wow. You know, in a venue. That so, was the 15th. So were there rumors as you guys are out on tour that this might be coming? Was there talk of it? Yeah, there was rumors, but uh, yeah, there was. I mean, it wasn't a big surprise. But, you know, back then, everyone was like, well, you know, we're just going to lay off everything for a couple of weeks, you know. <laughs> Till it all blows over. Right. And even then I was like, this is not going to be a couple of weeks. But even then I I thought, well, might go on in the May, you know, like shortly after that, I had a solo, like a three week solo tour in in the spring that got canceled. And then all then the Fogarty dates got canceled. Then summer got canceled. And then I was like, we're we're out for the year. And then uh, anyway, I was right. Bob Malone is uh, our guest and is at home, and that's the only reason he has time to 
to pick up the phone and talk to the likes of me. So it all kind of works out okay for my own selfish purposes for the podcast. I want to say that I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm used to talking to you uh, just talk regular and you're like, you're on the radio now and you're really good at this. Oh, stop. You, you're, you're stop. A, never. You're like a pro radio guy. I just want to, you know, you had me do this video in which I had to speak into the void like you're doing right now for yeah. 15 seconds. And I sucked at it. I had to do like 20 takes just to do a really mediocre performance. So uh, hats off to you and your radio skills. So oh, it's a whole it's new thing. Hard. People are doing that so much now. And, uh, you know, it was kind of funny in the beginning when you, you did these Zoom meetings with people and you spend time looking up their left nostril. Um, or, you know, I did one with a sort of a high ranking CEO not too long ago who had no idea what he was doing. And he he thought that the camera was off and he sat down to do it with no shirt on. And, and I can't unsee (laughs) that. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's sort of a whole new skill set that we all have to learn, but you're no stranger to learning stuff. I mean, you learned how to play piano as a kid in New Jersey but you must have known as we rewind the clock. You notice how I sort of segued right into that. Yes, smooth. Thank Very you. Smooth. You must have known pretty early on that, that you had a gift for this. You were not like the other students in the piano class, I'm guessing. Yeah, like for the first year, I was like the other kids. I, had, I showed no aptitude, and I had very little interest. And my mom... It's like, didn't want me to quit. She's like, just, just practice 15 minutes a day. I'll watch you. Cause she noticed that I liked an audience when I was playing, which has not changed. Right. At all. Sure. And maybe 10 months into that, all of a sudden something clicked. And then I was not like the other kids. I could just, I could just rip and like, it all kind of happened at once. I mean, you know, it got better from there, but. It went from zero to 60 in one week after about a, like just a little under a year or so. And I don't when, know what happened. When you broke and through that ceiling, did, did, uh, when you broke through that glass ceiling, so to speak, did you pretty quickly realize, man, this is fun. I'm good at it. And it's what I want to do forever. Or was that a later yeah. on thing? No, I was immediately like, this is what I'm going to do forever for the rest of my life. In the fourth grade, they had like career day. You got up on the stage and said what you wanted to be. And, uh, you know, everyone wanted to be like a fireman or an astronaut or a princess. I'd actually like to be a princess. That would be great. And uh, <laughs> You'll always be a princess to me, men, Bubby. The, the garbage men were popular, too, because they came around our neighborhood. It was like people we saw doing stuff, you know, as little kids. Yep. And I went up there and I wanted to be a musician. And... Uh, they were all like, well, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, but what? But but you can be a princess? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, they've That's never seen Elton harder. John with his tiara. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Elton would tell you. Bob so. Malone is our guest today, and we're talking, we're talking music in the time of pandemic, and people really miss it a lot. You can visit Bob online at bobmalone.com. He's my pal, and... Uh, he's continued to play and has found a unique way to connect with his audience. We're going to talk to him about that in just a minute. But, but so you're you're ripping across the keys all through high school. 
Were you in a band in high school? When did you hook up with other musicians for the first time? Uh, yeah, when I was like 16, I formed my first garage band. And we played our first gig. My mom had to drive me to the gig. We made $100, five-piece band, $100 for the whole band. We referred to it as the gig. We practiced all year for it. <laughs> yeah, man, the gig is going to be great. Can't wait to do the gig, man. It's going to be so awesome. Do you yeah. remember any of the songs you played on the gig? We did, yeah. I mean, we did, um, it was made up of my friends. So it was like whatever my friends played. So uh, two of my best friends were horn players. So uh, I was like, I got to find stuff with horns. And so we did a bunch of Chicago tunes. Yep. And we did, uh, we did like Southside Johnny stuff. We did 10th Avenue Freeze Out by Bruce Springsteen. You got to do that. You're in New Jersey. Like, and I like rock stuff with horns. That was the whole set, you know? I love it. And I, I learned it. how to transcribe horn arrangements by, by, by fr from that gig. I would sit there and just like write down the horn arrangements for all these tunes. Well, you know, we should mention and, that, that you know how to do that stuff. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and you know how to do that really ideas. well. You went to college for that, right? I did. I went to college for that. I did. Uh, you know, two years ago, I did a big band and strings arrangement for Avril Lavigne, and uh, I never thought that would happen. Yeah, that's got to be one of those things that you can't crystal ball. Someday, I'm going to do strings for Avril Lavigne. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a Christmas thing. Wow. They got her to sing on a on a Hallmark. Christmas movie, and uh, and she was doing a duet with uh, Johnny Blue, this guy that I've done a ton of big band arrangements for and MD'd for. He was like a big star in China. He's not Chinese. He's from Bel Air. <laughs> He's like a a white kid, but he could he could speak perfect Mandarin Chinese. So and they loved him over there. Yes, they loved him, and he was like this when he was young. You know, he was. A, Sing. Anyway, they did this duet, and I did this. So I when you go to college to learn how to do arrangements and music theory and, and all this stuff that I have no idea about, you went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, which is pretty prestigious. Do they teach you other things, too? You know, when, when I went to college, you know, even though I have a, a liberal arts education, you still got to hunker down and do other stuff. When you're at Berkeley College of Music, do you still have to take, you know, English and, and algebra and all that? Every year we had two quote unquote academic courses and the rest was music. So like about a 10th of it was, uh, was stuff that wasn't music. <clears throat> like we had a, a literature course and those were always early in the morning, like except for those classes, all our teachers were like jazz musicians. The classes, the late, the, the, the earliest class, for music was around 10 in the morning, which even was kind of early for, you know, our jazz musician teachers. Because they were out gigging the night before, right? <laughs> yeah, they had, they were working, most of them were working players. You know, like Gary Burton was one of our teachers, who was a really famous vibes player. He actually missed about 90% of the class that, that I uh, was supposed to attend with him. That's what, it was called the business of music. And uh, that's when I learned that the business of music means you're so busy playing on the road that you don't have time to go to the college 
and teach the business of music. That's how that's that I learned a valuable lesson. You know, he, he taught me well by just not showing up for that class every week. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Bob Malone is our guest today. We're talking tunes. You can visit Bob online at bobmalone.com. Uh, the New Yorker has called him a keyboard wizard, and, uh, boy, he can tear it up out there, whether on his own with his solo dates and, or when he's out with uh, rockers like John Fogarty and uh, he played with Ringo Starr, Bob Seger. Ringo Starr, you played with a Beatle. Uh, and, I know. And I want you to – I, really I know. I was there. What's that? Sorry. Uh, well, I'm just I'm I'm still amazed by that. I'm amazed by the day I got the phone call from you that said I'm going to play with Ringo Starr, and I said you've got to write this down so you'll remember every little detail. But what do you remember about that? First of all, how did it come to be that you get to play with a Beatle? Well, the guy that does all his engineering, uh, Bruce Sugar. He's a he also does all the stuff for. Um, uh, he does a bunch of stuff, but he he's Ringo's engineer. So he also engineered my last or two records ago, my my uh, Mojo Deluxe record. Okay. So he knew me from that, and um, he just calls me out of the blue. I was backstage at this gig in a theater with a really bad sound man. It, I just had got done with an excruciating four hour sound check in which nothing sounded any better at the end than it did at the beginning <laughs> and uh feeling pretty despondent and uh i get this text from him he's like hey man you want to do a session with ringo on monday it'll be real easy and like he sees ringo every day he's not like it was a big deal to him right and i was i just had to stare at it for a few minutes before i could answer <laughs> and I ran around in circles. And I said, and I called him. I was like, "So, uh, you know, what's the money like?" No, I didn't. <laughs> didn't say that at all. <laughs> Can Ringo afford me? And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, great. I'll text you Ringo's address." And I was like, "That's Ringo's address." Wow. He's like twelve minutes from my house. So that means you and Ringo are in the same neighborhood, practically the same well, zip no, code. He's in the Hollywood Hills. I'm at the. I'm in Studio City. You know, there's a hierarchy here in, in uh, Los Angeles. Like, if you're doing bar gigs for 50 bucks a night, you live in North Hollywood. And then when you're, like, uh, doing sessions or you're the side man to famous people, you live in Studio City, where I live. Kenny Aronoff lives down the street. And then if you're the star, you live in the Hollywood Hills. So you just keep moving south in the same direction. <laughs> so when you go to Ringo's house... Then what happens? Oh, right. So I went to Ringo. I went to Ringo's house, and it was one of those big, you know, had the gate and the long driveway. You know, I said, it's Bob. I'm here for the session. They let me in. I drove up this long highway, and it had all this kind of, like, peace and love stuff embedded in the driveway. It's a beautiful landscape. And I got there. It was a big parking, you know, for the for cars, and it was a, a huge statue like of the peace sign hand with peace and love <laughs> a guy someone had done wow later on i was after a show i ran i was walking back from it was like a fogarty casino gig and i was walking back from the gig uh out of the 
from the like through the casino and somebody had just seen the show also had seen me play one of my solo shows in in Santa Cruz and he it, and I so I got talking to this guy and and he actually knew the the sculptor that did the Ringo peace sign thing in his driveway <laughs> small world small world anyway and then you like you walk past the pool and one of the wings of the house had the studio in it and he was there and Bruce was there and he was just really nice guy and very easy to work with kind of puts you at ease the thing about the Beatles is like all the big 70s rockers that we in 80s especially 70s rockers that that became huge stars almost every single one of them has the same origin story they're like i saw the beatles on ed sullivan and i knew that's what i had to do right so to really big famous people the beatles are like a, still a big you know they're in awe so you can imagine how in awe i was i think he knew that i think he knows that you know and he you know but he was great he's like showed me his drum set <laughs> <laughs> so you know, were your hands sweating whenever uh, did he watch you yeah, play I was a little nervous i'm never nervous at sessions but i was pretty i was pretty nervous i was freaking terrified actually so i start playing everything's going cool i do a little fill that worked out nice and i see the first like nod of approval from from ringo and then i totally like just lost where i was and screwed up and i had to stop <laughs> I was. He likes it. He likes it. Oh, shit, I just. <laughs> wow. Anyway, it was fun. Bob Malone with Ringo. Anything for the rest of the day? Well, yeah. I mean, what? How do you follow? You know, what can you do after that? If you go to the grocery store, I mean, anything you do is going to be a letdown. No, I got back that. from the session. It was like four o'clock. I said, "Well, I could get some work done." I said, "No, I can't get." So I called all my friends and had a barbecue. I love it. I love it. Bob Malone, who played with Ringo Starr and a bunch of other folks, is our guest on the Big Time Talker podcast brought to you by Speaker Match. Uh, Bob's latest single, Good People, heard on the radio, New York, Los Angeles, and all points in between. We're going to play that for you shortly. Um, You are no longer able to tour. You don't know when you're going back out. But pretty early on, you did something that a lot of other musicians didn't do, you embraced the online performance on a regular basis. So talk to me about that transition from playing in front of people to playing online and how you managed to figure that out before most of your contemporaries. Well, I don't know if I, uh, I was ahead of the curve, but two weeks after everything got canceled, I did the first show. Uh, I usually do them on stage it because it's all kind of set up so you can get paid to do, to do your gig. And I had uh, a friend of mine worked for Stage It back when they started in 2009. And back then, nobody got it. I did a, I did a few shows, and uh, some people watched, and it was fun. It was kind of weird. I was like, man, I just played for 